Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. New England is known for its charming towns, comforting foods, and of course, its historical contributions. But the Down East region can have a dark side. I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and on my weekly podcast, Dark Down East, I dig into both decades-old and modern-day cases from my home state of Maine and the greater New England area. In each episode of Dark Down East, I seek insight from law enforcement officials, family members, and other loved ones who are both deeply familiar with the cases and the individuals at the heart of them. Join me as I unveil intricacies of these stories that are often overlooked, honor the grit of those searching for justice, and shine a light on cases that you aren't hearing on other podcasts. Listen to Dark Down East now, wherever you're listening. You are listening to Crawl Space on the Crawl Space Media Network. If you like this show, you'll love Missing which is also hosted by us. Missing started as Missing Maura Murray, and now it continues raising awareness for all missing people. And we also have an entire network of shows you'll love. Check them out at crawlspace-media.com. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Oh, Tim, if I was any better, it'd be illegal. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. And if I was any better, I would be our friends at Uncovered.com. In this episode, Lance, we speak with Rachel, Ashley, Anna of Uncovered.com. They are doing great things over there. They certainly are. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to Uncovered.com. And this is a database that combines the wisdom of the community, analytics, and good old-fashioned data to help solve the cold cases of murdered and missing people. Head on over there and just check out how this is becoming a growing community. Look at the cases and Really, I'm in awe of just the organization and the structure and how they've planned this out and how informative it is. And also, Lance, they have an Indiegogo campaign that they've launched, and they're raising money to really forward their mission. And if you want to be part of the growing community, go to their website, Uncovered.com. You'll see the link to their Indiegogo campaign where you can have the option of receiving perks such as T-shirts, the Citizen Detective Kit, or Tim, Ask Me Anythings with you and I, or you can pick one with James Renner, or you can pick one with Maggie Freeling. And that's just a few of many amazing perks that they're offering over there at Indiegogo. Right. So if you want an Ask Us Anything with us, Lance, or Renner, or Maggie Freeling, it is $500, and you can donate on Indiegogo, but you can get there through their site at Uncovered.com. 
Okay, everybody, thanks a lot for listening. Check out Uncovered.com. And it's not too late to get your tickets to the Saratoga True Crime Night. Tim and I will be in Saratoga Springs tomorrow night from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Putnam Place. We'll be joined by Josh Hallmark of True Crime Bullshit, and the event will be emceed by Saratoga True Crime Club founder Marcella Hammer. And the whole thing is brought to us by our friends at Saratoga Living, so you can check them out as well. Go to eventbrite.com and search Saratoga True Crime Night for your tickets before they sell out. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel Ashley Anna of Uncovered. What's going on? Hey, hi guys. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us back. Man, it, it's almost unfair to start off this conversation by asking, uh, you know, how's it going? What's going on? You know, what you've been up to? Because um, anyone who can, uh, anyone with a web browser can go to uncovered.com. Still, I'm blown away that you secured that that URL. <laughs> uncovered.com. And you can see what you've been up to in the very short period of time since we spoke to you last. Bravo for all of your work on this. Thank well, you. there's a story about the uncovered.com address, <laughs> but maybe we should get into that another time. <laughs> I think we should uncover it. <laughs> wow. We need cocktails to talk about that one. So that's like a, that's a yeah, it's an after dark uh, kind of episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, unco- uncovered after dark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what's been going on with your site. A lot. Um, I think probably the biggest thing just for our team in general, all three of us left full-time jobs to focus on this now. So we are in it. Um, We're excited. Congrats. Um, Yeah. So that's been awesome. We truly believe what we're building, the community um, that we're creating and the community that's already here. So we're really excited about that. But I think the biggest thing has definitely been the platform. And Anna, I mean, please share more of where we've been and where we're going. Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm glad that you all saw the the difference to the site since uh, since we last talked to you in December. But I mean, uh, the, in March, we had our biggest, biggest update. I say our biggest update ever. It's our second update, but it's our biggest update we've ever had. And this really is getting us a lot closer to that vision that we've always wanted to put into the world. So um, if you're going to uncover it, if you're following along or if you're driving, don't. That's dangerous. But um, the biggest place you can see updates on our site is really on the cold cases. And so I think probably the last time that we spoke with you, I think we maybe had three cases and now we have almost 60 cases up on the site. And these are fully visualized, detailed cases with, with like overviews, with all the people involved, with timelines, with events. Um, as you can see, we, we've also kind of updated even how people can navigate cases. We now have a map of all of our cases. You can see where they're located. Um, clicking into a case, you can see a lot more of the details about what happened to the case. So again, um, we've always talked about how vic- how we are very, very victim focused and we ensure that, you know, yes, this is, you know, a, like people can be crimes and they can be statistics, but you know, the individual person, they really matter, their life matter, they were a human. Um, and we really wanna showcase that person and show them very, very much here on these, on these case overviews. Um, so we start with, you know, big images of the person, we talk about who they were, 
Um, and then really we dive into the details of the case. And so we've got a lot more content on these case overviews than we've ever been able to have before. So again, we show those people. Um, the timeline is something we are so excited about. We've got not just the important events, but you can see those events on, as they happen on the map because we know it's not just a matter of when things happen, it's a matter of where they happened. Um, so being able to kind of pull those two pieces of data together um, is something that we've not, we've not seen anywhere else. It's something we've always wanted, wanted to be able to do. So those are kind of the really, really big updates. Um, again, kind of the case layout and, and pulling all that information together. So we're so excited to have it in the world. We already know how we want to make it better and push it further and, you know, do more. But uh, we're, we're happy to have uh, to start getting feedback on it. It's really amazing when you go to that cases section and you see the map there. It's um it's interactive in the sense where you see the pins and you can click on it and you, you see the uh, person who is missing from that location. And then you have, it looks like a very categorized, very uh, clear uh, streamlined, um, almost like index cards where you can then open up to, to more details. Uh, if I knew somebody who was missing and I went to your site and I didn't see them on there, you can submit this, right? You can submit somebody uh, what is your process um, coming from the standpoint of somebody who wants their 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 mother, their father, their daughter, somebody who they know is missing? How do where, what's the process there, and then how do you vet that? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, like you said, if you go to our site, we have a big button on every page that says "Submit a Case," and then when you actually get into the cases component, it's at the top right by the map. Um, so there are over two hundred thousand cases of missing and murdered people that are currently unsolved and cold. So our goal is to be able to visualize as many as we can to get more eyes on them, to partner with as many people, to get people interacted in these cases. So Rachel's created an amazing algorithm to at least help us prioritize that so we can put our resources, our time, and add those in in a just this way that gets people interested in what we're working on and builds momentum and it activates the community. We tend to work in cases that are at least 36 months old to ensure that it's cold, that there's an opportunity that we aren't doing any harm, that we're providing as much resources and benefit as we can. But that said, if it's a family member that wants to reach out to that to us, and we work with a lot of family members in this space, we want to have that conversation with you. We want to help elevate as much as we can. If it doesn't mean completely visualizing on our site, we want to use our platform, our agency, our network to be able to get as much information as we can out there. So we make it very easy to reach out to us and have a conversation. And as I said, we're building this in real time. It's us that are working on it. So we want to make sure that we have that, that good relationship with people that they feel supported in that. Rachel, how do you build an algorithm? I know that an algorithm is basically um, an equation, right? It is. It is. Okay. I hear someone, when someone says to me, oh, she built the algorithm, I'm like, it okay. It sounds very sexy, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, you have become genius level to me. I don't understand it. It's just a math equation. And, and all we do is say, hey, we want some things to, to boost the visibility of this case to us because they're aligning with some things that we're really interested in, such as persons of color, LGBTQ, so, or if we have an external partner, if we know that we've got a content creator or a family advocate or family member that is reaching out to us, we, there are so many cases. So those are factors that we want to um, weigh more in, uh, on how visible that case becomes to us. So we have a little score that comes up and says, hey, you know, this person has a score of 
you know, 98. And we'll know that, hey, that that's really touching on a lot of the key characteristics. And when I say key characteristics, it's usually those of marginalized audiences, people who don't get a lot of attention. So in our algorithm, they are getting a lot of the attention. We want you to know that we get pinged almost immediately when you submit a case. So we're very aware that you have submitted a case. Someone's going to follow up with you to say, hey, we see it. We've got it. We'll take a look at it. We want everybody to know that they're important to us. We, we will get it up on the site. Some we may have be able to get to quicker, but we will keep you informed as to where we are in that case um, process so that you can participate. And we want to hear from you. So please always reach out to us via that submit a case, but then I'm sure our contact information is also out there too, if you want to follow up that way as well. And how is the uh, community building going? You're, you're hearing from a lot of helpful individuals? Yeah. So we launched a beta version um, of our basically our digital workspaces is where we want to activate the citizen detective community in a thoughtful way. Um, so we've got nearly 60 people who are in there now that we're getting information back and forth from. Rachel's working with them on some detail, detailed case research. We have a few content creators who are kind of curating their own spaces too, of kind of building their brand off of that, but also doing some additional research for their own um, platforms as well. So this has been a great learning opportunity for us to identify what sort of resources we need, what kind of tools, what will make this space engaging for people and keep them coming back to learn not only from the resources we have, but from the other people who are there. Um, and that's part of the big opportunity for us as we start to move into like, what's the next phase of Uncovered and what do we want to do? Um, so opening that community up to a wider audience that so people can come in and kind of be part of that. Um, experience the resources we have in there, the events that we're starting to curate, um, and getting feedback and adding more cases in. We know the bigger this gets, we're going to need more capacity. Um, and that comes with an engaged and active and thoughtful citizen detective community. And are you planning on doing any updates um, that are not missing person cases, maybe <clears throat> unsolved uh, crimes or, or something to that effect? Or is this strictly going to be missing persons for the foreseeable future? It's missing in, in murdered individuals and then also some suspicious deaths that are on there where family members are trying to get cases reopened or more eyes on them. So again, we want to be as big a support as we can, but we want to take the community that's out there that's listening to all these podcasts, watching all these documentaries and find an opportunity to engage them and take their interest and turn it into advocacy. Because we know so often people listen to maybe one podcast, they'll listen to a dozen more, they immediately Google to try and find more information. We wanna be that one-stop accurate information location, but provide them really distinct, clear calls to action. So if their engagement level is nil of like, yeah, maybe I'll share something on my own social media platform to I want to be in it and I want to be rolling up my sleeves and I want to work on case research and I want to really build up like my background and knowledge in this. We want to be able to provide that to everyone because we think that's where collective impact can really happen in this space. Is there any specific case that you're looking for volunteers on or, or any cases you're hoping to feature? Um, we're about ready to launch a public discussion forum for Karen Bodine's case. And I, I'll let um, Anna maybe talk about that because it's a little bit more on the product end. Um, but that's going to be the real first opportunity for the broader community to engage with Uncovered in discussion. So Anna, do you want to pick that up? 
Yeah. So one of the things that we know just from looking at cases is there are always some like really key questions on a case. There are key questions. There are key gaps in a timeline that people who know the case well know that these are the things that we really want to focus and, and, and put our time on. And the way um, that we addressed it in a previous version of our site is we had like a questions and theories area where people could submit questions. They could submit theories. There was a little bit of upvoting. It was, it was pretty um, simplistic. So that's what one way we're going to be integrating the community into our site. We're going to be actually pulling in um, a moderated discussion area with the, with the, the high level questions for the case where people can come, they can read more, they can interact. And so it's really going to be the, the key place where our, um, our database and our community are going to overlap, but it's going to be very uh, clearly moderated. So it's not a free for all of um, you know new content coming every day, um, but really having um, a case captain who is watching that discussion, who is making sure the most relevant information is there, and that it and that the um, the, the things that have been debunked are are not being consistently and constantly brought up again. I really want to emphasize the organization here on your website. Uh, if you go to, for example, Brianna Maitland's profile, you can go to the overview and then the timeline, and you can click on the timeline, and it has everything detailed on the left. And then you can hit show details, and it breaks it down to specifically what what that one title is. So Brianna uh, attacked by Keeley. Brianna takes her GED test. And then you can see the details on that. And then you can even see the corresponding location on the map there to the right which is which is really really cool and again organized and and very streamlined gives you a really good uh like an excellent breakdown of of the significant moments leading up to the disappearance of anybody um and that's important like you said if if you don't have hours and hours you can at least consume this in in a in a in a in a manner that isn't going to take you down a giant rabbit hole you can at least have the broad strokes and and be aware of it and then decide where you're going to go from there it's, you totally hit the nail right um, on the head that is absolutely I don't, our i've hypothesis. never seen anything we like believe this. i mean this information is out there we've we've we don't have any private access to any information that the general public doesn't have we just go out we bring it all together and we put it in our database to visualize on our site so we believe that we can pull this information together if we can put it together in an easily consumable and understandable way people are going to make new connections that they never have been able to make before before. So one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is um, the Lauren Spear case, which is a case we recently got up on our site. So I lived in Bloomington. I left Bloomington probably about like two weeks before Lauren Spear disappeared. And going back to this case and looking at all these locations, like that that city has changed so much in the last 10 years. There are, there are like five to 10 new apartments where there weren't before. Um, but, but understanding a location, I feel like I can understand that case in a way that a lot of people can't because I have definitely walked those streets late at night. I understand that city. So it's one thing to see this information, but it's another thing to have people who are like, you know, actually, yeah, I lived in Omaha in 2007 and I remember that, you know, this wasn't the way it was. I think we um, there's a, a on the Brandon Lawson case, you know, we 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 learned from some, uh, you know, citizen detectives that, you know, people describe the area as wooded and it's actually not very it's not a very wooded area. So, again, just giving people that opportunity to say, you know, yeah, actually, I'm seeing this information. It's, it's not how I remember it. Or I'm I'm you're saying, you know, you're saying this person went from this location to this location. That doesn't seem possible to me. Yeah, particularly the the, the cold cases. And we know outside of testing DNA evidence and breakthroughs there and technology, 
it's relationship changes that will spark new opportunities to open these cases and find actual more information that could lead to some sort of um, break in this case. So connecting that information in a way that's easily consumable, that touches on every type of learner. If you're a reader, if you're kinesthetic, if you, if you want to, you know, really listen to everything that's out there. Um, there's also a sources section for all of these cases. And that is where you could, if you want to do a deep dive, we list everything. We're continuously curating. We're continuously adding information in there from every podcast that's ever covered it to every PDF of a news article from, you know, back to whenever it, it happened to every, um, every link that we can get information on there, making sure that it's substantiated information from a reputable source. But, you know, we're doing, um, you know, public records requests to get information in there, but making sure that it's all publicly available information, because we think that there's so many gaps in that. And you both point out a really good point of like, it's being organized. We know that that's not happening for a lot of these cases, particularly in law enforcement, where there's not a lot of, you know, cold case units that are able to focus or the research or resources don't exist or technology hasn't caught up. So if we're able to build that as a community and, you know, train ourselves in a great way and be thoughtful and empathetic along the way and make sure that victims and families are, are first and foremost, then that's amazing. And think of what could happen when all of those things meet together. So you guys are doing some of the FOIAs too? Yeah. So we actually have a partnership with the Freedom of Information Coalition, which has been tremendous. And we kicked off a public records boot camp last month, which what? was amazing. What? Oh, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate your answer and I hate to interrupt, but sometimes things just come up and they get passed over so so quickly. I just want to emphasize the uh, significance of what you just said, similar to how how you all got the um, uncovered.com URL. It's just, oh, we just got it. Yeah. Like, that's not, there's a story there. How did you, the FOIA commission, like you guys are, are uh, the buddies with information the FOIA? coalition. So this is just the power of reaching out to say, this is what we're building. We think that you have an interest because they work a lot with investigative journalists. They had no idea that a whole community exists of citizen detectives or people interested in information from this community. They were like, this is wonderful. This is transparency is our number one mission. We're trying to get that out there. How can we help? Like this is the ongoing training that we do. So we did a special three-part series um, on you know public records requests, everything from what is a public record to how to, you know, sue pro se if you have to, because you're not getting your record like brought up. So this is an ongoing relationship we have with them, which has just been wonderful of providing these resources. Um, so if you go into our community, we have them available. We have the recordings available. We have additional resources and downloadables um, that pair nicely with like our citizen detective guide and a lot of information that we're, we're curating, but we're pulling in experts into this because we're not, we know that we're not, but we know that you know, there's a gap here and we want to be able to pull that in. So finding opportunities to work with the Freedom of Information Coalition. Um, also Purdue University, we're working with them too. But also we're learning so much in that process that's helpful for us to take that back to our community to say, hey, here's another resource. Here's something that you haven't thought of or here's a new process and way of doing it. Oh, so cool. jealous. <laughs> and I see your, uh, your community uh, manifesto here. How do you join the community? So right now we're on a wait list for the membership for our community um, because we're actually rolling out a crowdfund um, here 
later this month, which we're really excited about. Because um, we've always said that this community is built by the people who are there, which we're continuously learning from it. Now this is an opportunity for people to come and invest in what we're creating and, and help us get to the next iteration. Really pulling that data component that Rachel was talking about, different resources and opportunities. Um, so there'll be a membership opportunity. But as Anna said, all of the data will always be available for people. We want people to feel included in this process. So you can come in and interact anytime with the information that we have on there. And if there is a cost prohibitive, let us know, please reach out. But our intention is to be able to have resources and build a membership because we know that this community is not gonna be for everyone, but we wanna make sure it's for the people who are invested. So if you go to our site right up at the top, it says become a member, you could click right there. You can join in our wait list. We've got nearly a hundred people kind of waiting for when we open that up. But when we do open our crowdfund up here, um, actually next week, which is pretty exciting, one of the perks will be, you know, kind of skip that wait list and get like a white glove onboarding from our team to join the community and get set up in your digital workspace and get your resources together and kind of hit the ground running. And we're giving away Tim and Lance as a perk too on the crowdfund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy, happy to be a part of that. It, that yeah. That's a, that's definitely a first. I'm sure those will go first immediately. I mean, sell out. Oh, door. please stop! Yeah. Stop! Yeah, they're already no. gone. We're gonna we're gonna be stale on the shelf. <laughs> Listen to the Forty Eight Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listeners. I'm Vanessa Richardson, host of the podcast Serial Killers. Like many of you, I'm fascinated by the darker side of humanity. What causes someone to develop such deadly desires and why they decide to act on them? For the past six years, I've been able to explore these curiosities weekly, tapping into the mental states of the world's most notorious killers, examining their backgrounds and habits, searching for answers. If you haven't had a chance to check out our show, there's truly no better time to dive in. With hundreds of episodes to binge and new ones released weekly, Serial Killers is the perfect podcast for any avid true crime fan. Follow Serial Killers on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. 
Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. What does a typical workday for the three of you look like at Uncovered? Because, uh, Anna, you're the first full-time employee. Um, I don't even know if, if you've all met in the same room. At Have you, have you all met in the same room, or is this uh, all virtual? Uh, our team is remote, so we have other people who are, are part of our team, too, or, or truly wonderful, who are everywhere from Colorado to, to Nashville, but uh, actually, the three of us met for the first time in person at the CrowdSolve that was in Chicago oh, right cool. before the world closed down. Um, and then just as recently as last week, our entire team was able to get together. Pure kismet that we happened to be available to kind of all meet up together to do an actual in-person event with a local true crime kind of meetup group. Um, so that was the first time we all kind of met in person. But it's a lot of virtual. I mean, 2020 has taught us anything is we can do anything on screens. And we know this community exists out there already. So we're, we're building these products and these processes for that. But um, I think a typical day is different for what we're focused on. For me, I'm in my inbox all the time because a lot of people are wanting to connect or reaching out with different content creators or family members or different experts to find opportunities and resources for people and you know, creating content to kind of get out there and engage with people. But I know that Rachel and Anna, their days are very different. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think um, my day is a mix of like, I, I, I do a lot of the technology building. So I work really close. We have a developer that we're working with who is absolutely incredible. Um, he has a full-time job as, as we all recently did. Uh, and we were doing this on the side, but um, so yeah, so I work a lot with him. So I, any design you see on the site, I probably did it, which I do my best. So it's been a long time since I actually did design work. Um, but also kind of right now, one of the reasons we're really going into this crowdfund is because we are pretty much all of our data, we're built on low code tools. Um, so we use kind of, you know, pre-existing databases. Th these things are all kind of like tied together with like duct tape. Um, so we're really excited to potentially to move to something a lot more scalable from an infrastructure perspective. So I am putting out a lot of tiny fires a lot of the day, like fixing little, you know, issues. So when I say go to the site and email us when something is wrong or incorrect, please do that. I, I spend a lot of my day fixing those issues. And so the more people can kind of point out where we're missing things, the better. And then case research. I mean, Rachel really leads our case research, kind of telling us what cases we're working on. But, you know, this it's all a manual process. Every single 60 K, all the 60 cases you see on the site, you know, either Rachel, I, or uh, our intern Mackenzie have actually gone out and done the, done the building, done the writing for this, because we, you know, it, it takes us a lot of time, but we truly believe that this is the best way to get this information out. The really cool thing about the crowdfunding is that it will help us get the capital to do some of the really cool, sexy math things that we want to do next. So uh, for me, that is working to use artificial intelligence and machine learning and really train our algorithms to go out there and do case research like we would do, like Anna and I would do. Um, so teaching it to know that when you Google Rachel Roslett, you don't Rachel Roslett, the PhD student, you want Rachel Roslett, the murderer. 
and to pull in all of that information and then to look through the duplicative information and, and call it down. But then also it'll be assigning um, credibility or, or believability factors to the, to the sources of information. So perhaps something you find on a blog somewhere, it'll go into the algorithm, but maybe it'll be a low priority. But if it's found out on NamUs or the Doe project or the Charlie project, it's going to get a lot of weight, a lot of importance. Um, and then return all that information to us. We come back as like a data scientist and say, yep, 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 yep. And then it goes up on the website. So we're really hoping to, to really get that infrastructure that Anna was talking about to be able to do some of these really cool AI sorts of things with the data that's out there. Your uh, structure that you just explained is amazing. Um, and that's all like behind the scenes stuff. And I think it's super important for people to understand how much work goes into it with such a small team working probably all the time uh, because when you're doing something like this and, and you're building it on your own, there's no nine to five, right? Um, I think we had mentioned during our first conversation that this would work itself really nicely. It'd be nicely incorporated into a live event. Are you planning on doing, now that we're able to do these things, are you planning on um, going big and doing doing something huge or, or are you going to do some, you know, maybe small coffee shops to warm up and then uh, then hit Broadway? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the plan. <laughs> can we please introduce you? Can we, can we be the MCs? Oh my gosh, 100%. We have done it on a small scale um, virtually with Purdue University, like Ashley mentioned, where we did basically a hackathon um, and gave them all the tools and resources to really go out and research cases um, for us live, all, all in real time. And we were there to, to help shepherd them through that process and give them tips and tricks. And, you know, we, we are... Some of those cases are on the website now. So hopefully we'll be able to do that soon, Ashley. Yeah, there's a, a huge opportunity there. And that was just an amazing learning opportunity. Um, and that was centered around missing and murdered indigenous women. And we wanted to make sure that we had a really good representation um, in advance of Awareness Day, which was on May 5th and continuing to curate cases. Um, and unfortunately, so many of those cases have little to no information about them, except that someone has gone missing or a murder took place. So that was an opportunity for us to say, here's a list of what we know, and then working really diligently and, you know, a four hour time frame of, you know, here's the template we're going to use, here's the resources, we're available, we're all kind of in these Zoom rooms, we're checking in and out, we're making sure that we're asking questions the whole time so people felt part of the process. And it was a great learning opportunity for us to see this was good, this was bad, and it was the first time we kind of debuted our, our digital workspace, which was wonderful. So continuing to host those types of events, because we know so many of our members are all over the country. Um, but also in real time, I, I mentioned, you know, we were just able to meet up at, as a group and, and do a live event, um, which was wonderful. And that was just kind of sharing what we're building, um, but finding those opportunities to work locally, either with, you know, a partnered content creator who's probably doing a local story or something that's happening so we can leverage community um, excitement and opportunity and to, to do the research because, you know, if you have a laptop or even a smartphone, great, find information and submit it and we're able to get it up and realize it visualize it in real time and get mm -hmm. it in front of people. So there's a huge opportunity from a research perspective to be able to do these types of live events. But we're also curating an ongoing series called What is a Citizen Detective? 
And we've hosted probably three of those already. We have actually one coming up later this week and then one later in the month. What is a citizen detective? What does that mean? What, what do I have to do or what shouldn't I do? And introducing them to people who were doing this work. So the first one we did, which was truly wonderful, was with uh, Dana from True Crime PI, who originally started her career as a librarian, spent many years doing research, working in libraries, um, but had this affinity for finding information on um, missing and unidentified people and has since made the jump to be a, you know, a full-time content creator in that space. She's actually currently working with the FBI. She might've identified one of Samuel Little's victims. So she's able to use those skills, um, which is wonderful. She's in our community right now. She's one of our great partners that we have. So she just kind of talked about her story, her trajectory, um, how she got to where she was. People could ask questions. We keep it really intimate. And then she talks about tools and cases that she's following so people can share information. They can kind of raise their hand to say, this is what I'm interested in or this is what I'm doing. So we've provided opportunity for people to kind of dip their toe in or also to be like, hey, now I know Dana and I can kind of connect with Dana. So we think that that's an opportunity to also do that live of, you know, meet someone that you know is probably in your community or, or just down the street. And then you have, you know, an even bigger network, not only in this true crime community, but someone who's local to you too, who could also help do additional research. And we know there's true crime clubs that are going to start ramping up back in person that have cases close to their heart that they've done a lot of work on. And we, we would love to talk to those people to take all the work that they've done and put it up on the web so they can see it. And we do featured, we, we, we show on the front page of that case a featured contributor. So they will get credit for all the hard work they've done. Um, we just want to provide them to the space to get that information up about the victim and help get some information flowing in about the case. All of these ideas that are swirling around and, and some of them are there on the database, on the website. Some of them you've put into action with uh, the citizen detective um, workbook or, or guide. Um, where do you organize all of this internally? And this is just, I guess, a question. I'm, I'm just curious. You have all of these plans. Uncovered has such huge potential. How do you make sure that you don't forget these uh, really great ideas and, and missions? This is my moment to shine um, because I, <laughs> I am uh, a, a tool queen. So I am constantly bringing new tools uh, into our uh, Uncovered lives. But we use, we use a tool called Notion, and it is a, just all about documentation. Um, and so we have been using that pretty heavily just to document everything. As far as like all of these things we want to build, I mean, this is the classic, you know, everybody who works in technology has this problem. There's so many things that you could do. There's so many cool ideas that you have. Um, so we really try to run everything through just a backlog. So we, we try to capture every single idea that we have. And then when the time comes to say, okay, what are we going to build next? We just go through prioritization. So we try to understand what are our short-term goals? What are our long-term goals? And then what are the things that we could build to help us get to those goals? And I mean, things have already changed for us. We've had amazing ideas that we have definitely backburnered. It just doesn't make sense for us to do. We've had, we've built things, you know, a year and a half sooner than we thought we were going to do. So it just, it just kind of, it, things change, things depend. We're also, we have um, been spending a lot of time just talking with people who are using our site and getting feedback, which has been absolutely incredible. 
um, as you know, some, some of the beta members of our community, um, some other kind of more ex people have expertise in other areas, just kind of getting their feedback. And that helps us prioritize as well. Because again, like Ashley said, we're not from, you know, we're not from this industry, from this area, you know, personally, my background's in tech. So I know how to build tech, but I don't know necessarily, uh, you know, how to, you know, what DOE investigators do or what forensic genealogists do. So as much time as we can spend with people, everybody who at least even just takes 30 minutes to talk with us, we always learn something new and incredible. And that really, really helps us prioritize what to build next. There's a really cool article here that you wrote, eight tips for capturing clues in true crime photos. And uh, scrolling down a little bit, I see some uh, photos of um, Maura Murray's ATM stills. That's, uh, I, I think that's great that you are sort of putting this out there like that. Can you, can you talk about the idea behind this article? Yeah, sure. That's actually from one of our community members. So Tiffany C. Oh, it's amazing. Is one of our citizen detectives in our community. Took this amazing uh, genealogy class in, in Boston U and was like, I learned all this information. I want to be able to share it. So we're able to provide a platform. So like I said, we are for the most part, we're not creating content. We're curating. We're finding opportunities to build in research components. But we want to be able to provide a platform for people who have this expertise, have this knowledge transfer. In, in Tiffany's case, I took this class, I was really motivated by it. And I think that I can contribute. Is that okay? Yes, 100%. We would love to be able to do that feature you um, and, and use your expertise that other people can learn from, um, which is actually wonderful, because now Tiffany is in our community in our digital workspace. Another person has said, hey, I'm thinking of taking a genie. Does anyone recommend a class? And Tiffany was able to say, I took this, this was wonderful. So building those relationships and those networks and then taking that information where we're learning along the way and sharing it with each other. And these are resources that we want to put out there for everyone to be able to interact with. When you get into our community, it's more intimate and you have more hands-on, but the stuff that we're creating, as Anna said, we want everyone to have access to information, to an opportunity to contribute uh, at whatever varying degree and whatever level, but we know that we can make a real impact with the info that we're putting out. Thanks for bringing that eight tips up, uh, Tim. That is, this is ridiculous. This is so helpful. And I don't want to say this in a bad way, but it's a challenge. It's, it feels like when you look at the photos, they also have the, um, they also have the, the, uh, the Delphi murder suspect from the video, uh, him walking away. Uh, I'm assuming it's a, it's a, he, uh, walking away. And again, I, I don't want to say this as and, and in any way discrediting the, the victims of these, of these, murders or and crimes but this is a challenge for someone who who will look at something like a uh, security still or um something taking from a cell phone and and challenge yourself go to this and and challenge yourself and and look at these eight tips and see what you can find it's like a puzzle and that's why these citizen detectives do what they do because they're they're obsessed with untangling the knot and this is uh incredible this this eight tips thing is incredible i'm blown away we just don't know what we know sometimes. And I think it was Anna that shared, and Anna actually shared an article on Slack with us last night where someone had identified a Jane Doe just because they compared a missing poster and, and a poster of, um, or some sort of photo of the victim um, who was ident unidentified, called in an anonymous tip and the case is solved. So I think, as citizen detectives, we do have the power to turn the tide in some of these cases. And Lance, as you were saying, I mean, just spending a few minutes looking at a picture and taking that up as a challenge to see what you can find, you never know. It could be the difference. 
One of the things that we added to the site with our new redesign was the what's left to be uncovered section, which we're really excited about. So this is the place on the site where if you go to the case overview, these are the things that the case needs. So these are the places and the opportunities for advocacy. So a lot of times there are petitions to either reopen a case, um, to you know, get another look. There are GoFundMe's. You know that people are trying to hire private investigators or they're trying to hire attorneys. Um, but sometimes there's a legitimate actual request. So I think Faith Hedgefest's case is a great example. Just listen to this voicemail. What do you hear in this voicemail? I mean, that's what we really want to be able for people to do to say, I am interested in advocating on behalf of this case. What can I do? Is it my time? Is it my money? Or do you want me to apply this interesting skill that I have? And, and, and that's where um, we're, that's one piece of, uh, of the new update we haven't talked about, but we are really excited about. Yeah, being able to break it down and what can you do in the next five minutes, the next five hours, the next five days, we want to provide, you know, from soup to nuts, what people can kind of get involved in. So if it is something very specific of, you know, look at this photo, confirm this address, listen to this recording, or follow up to keep this story eye on social media channels and amplify that way. So not everyone can do everything, but everyone can do something. So here's an opportunity that, you know, you can step in, use your power to help other people um, and truly turn an interest of, you know, listening to this content and kind of consuming this and turn it into advocacy. And, and it's not that hard. It's just a few simple steps. Um, we conducted a, a research poll and I think we kind of shared this with you last time, but it's been very much reiterated on all of the updates that we've provided um, particularly people who are interested in this work um, or what would spur them to action. So this notion of asking 500 people who are interested in true crime, what would get you to do the next step? Knowing the victim, we have tremendous family advocates in this space who are wonderful and are taking a lot on. So to be able to help and come alongside, that's phenomenal. Second was, you know, affinity to location. So I know the area, it's kind of from my hometown. I kind of grew up there. I could substantiate some information. Like Anna said, you know, growing up somewhere where a crime happened 10 years ago, it's a very different city. And third was just being told what to do. So much like in politics, people don't do anything until they're, you know, asked to do something. Here we're asking you, you know, use your time, use your platform that you have, really truly help someone in this space. You had said that you take on cold cases that are how, like what's the minimum for uh, the length of time that they've been cold? We usually do about 36 months. That's when, uh, you know, just a little research on our own, that's when things start to um, slow down a little bit. Um, we never want to interfere with a, an active open investigation. I realize they're all still open, but a very active ongoing investigation. And, and truthfully, the, the older ones are not more important. They're just as important but there are so many out there that are getting zero attention that have been unsolved for years and decades. Um, and we just wanna show love to all those victims to say, we see you, um, we're gonna pick up the torch for you and run, and run with it to see what we can bring to the case. So we welcome all cases. We, we just have an affinity for ones that have been out there a while and haven't gotten any love. What's the uh, cap, if any, for the um, how old they can be? Uh, no cap per se. I don't think we've ever discussed that. I don't know that we have any older than 50, 60 years or so, um, but, but no cap. I think we're open to everything at this point. 
We actually were actually just talking about this yesterday when we were doing like our, our weekly case meeting and it's a, a missing person case. It was one of, I, I don't know if it's the oldest we have on there, but from a missing person perspective from missing person database, it's like the oldest case that's on the national like registry of missing children. Um, and was it from the fifties or the sixties? It was from the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. And she was a small child. There was like a house fire. Everyone kind of evacuated the house. We're kind of standing in the front yard and she just disappeared. And those types of cases are ones where we think from a genealogy standpoint, you know, someone got a 23 and me at Christmas that could probably get solved. Um, there's a lot of cases like that, particularly these older missing children cases where we think if there's an opportunity just to keep those stories out there and let people know that, yeah, this is a tragic story, but some of these are like, if you just upload your DNA to a database, that could help really like open up some of these other cases that people are, have been missing for years and years. Yeah, I think we see this as a very collaborative opportunity because there are, there are already incredible existing databases out there. So we mm -hmm. hope to continue to build on the shoulders of what the work that a lot of people have already done. And yeah, like Rachel said, partnerships, we are very excited about partnerships, content creators, you know, people doing this type of work, Doe networks is something we're really interested in exploring as well. So definitely uh, reach out to us for sure. What do you do aside from this? I, I just want to know one hobby from each of you. Give a little, uh, give a little, you know, a little glimpse into behind the uncovered curtain. I am totally a dog person. I used to foster dogs, but now I actually have my own side gig of dog walking, um, dog sitting. So on my lunch breaks, I walk dogs and I go to people's houses on the weekend and, and do stuff like that. I am a big like consumer of TikTok. I picked that up in the pandemic and I spend hours on that. That is my sweet release. Uh, my For You page is bananas from everything from learning from teachers trying to teach remotely to every small dog you can ever imagine to just anything in the world. So I'm on there all the time consuming as much information as I can. Awesome. Ashley got me on TikTok and my for you is all about van life, which is super weird because I'm the opposite of a person who wants to live in a van, but I'm just very, I'm just so interested in how people do it. Um, for me, I think, you know, we, we, do, we do spend a lot of time like inside this work. And so if I, I just like to like, like trash TV, that that's a good way for me to just like put my brain somewhere else for a little while. It's, I still though, I think, I think we all feel so lucky to be able to do this work and and work in this space because it's it's been such a passion for us for so long so it is kind of hard to disconnect from it because we are so excited about this about the work that we're doing i, I can't believe all of you got the question wrong it was listening to shows on the crawl space media network oh no that that's now, obvious that's on all the time <laughs> interview over <laughs>